I have heard, and I'm sure you have as well, that when people look back on their lives, they regret the risks they didn't take. Yeah. yeah. They, they're like, I wish I'd taken that European tour. I wish I'd taken that trip to Hawaii. I wish I'd taken that job that seemed like it might be really risky, but I, it would have been an adventure. Mm -hmm. They don't, they regret when they didn't take action and they stayed safe. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Averill. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Averill. Do you ever feel judged for your financial choices? If you've been single for any period of your adult life, you've likely experienced at least a bit of single shaming. And sometimes this shaming extends to your financial situation. Single shaming and finances are a thing. Emily Burnett should know. In her 20s, Emily had racked up $50,000 in debt. She felt the shame. And then she took charge and pulled herself out of debt. She now helps others move from financial shackles to financial freedom. Emily is here today to share how she has dealt with the single shaming she's experienced around her financial choices. My conversation with Emily Burnett of Moso Money right after this. Our satisfaction and joy in life is directly related to our satisfaction and joy in our relationships. Elliot and I are here to help. We'd love to design a workshop, seminar, or weekend retreat for your organization. We'll bring the psych research, of course, along with over 60 years of combined experience in psychotherapy. We'll share science-based therapeutic techniques within the context of a Christian worldview. We can level up in our relationships. Contact our producer, Tim May, at tim at loveandlifemedia.com to book us. Emily, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. It's so good to be back. So glad to have you back to talk about a topic that you and I went back and forth via email. And it struck me as such an interesting topic, one I hadn't fully thought about at all. Half of it I have, half of it I haven't. <laughs> so it involves single shaming, which of course I've thought a lot about and experienced certainly mm -hmm. and talk about in my book. But the other half that you brought up, of course, because of your area of expertise being finances and financial planning and money management, you talked about the element of shaming that is particular to financial realities and singleness. Mm -hmm. So speak a little bit to how you merge these two domains in a way that as you were processing through them, but it made a lot of sense because there's shaming involved in both spaces. For sure. You know, a lot of women come to me with shame about their money. They're embarrassed to, I think they've actually kind of broken through being embarrassed by the time they come to me and they're ready to talk about their financial dirty laundry. But probably because of what I'm going through in life and I'm making, I think I was more aware of this kind of element of single shaming 
mm-hmm. listening to one of your podcast episodes is what really brought it up. But then also this like self single shaming of almost a second class life. And that sounds mm-hmm. really extreme because I don't think anybody, any of our family or friends who love us and we love them, none of them would say you're living small or you're living a second class life. But sometimes it can feel like that. And I love definitions and the definition of shaming is the act of being superior to or feeling superior to someone else. And I think I've spent a lot of time feeling like those who are happily married are superior. They're living a superior life to my still single life, wanting to be married, but wanting to be married to the man that lights me up. And feel free to challenge me on any of this because <laughs> I, I love your perspective. And but I've just thought a lot about this. I for sure have played small myself. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that in other single women. Not all of them and not all the time, but I feel like it can happen. What do you think? Yeah, I can't challenge you because I, I know that I felt that too. And then there would be the added element of when I would be honest with myself and go, wait, why am I thinking that my life is less important or Mm -hmm. less significant or that I'm somehow part of me being singles because Mm. somehow I haven't figured out what those happily married people (laughs) figured out. And then when I would recognize that I was feeling a bit of that, then I'd feel guilty for feeling that Mm -hmm. because I'd be like, come on, you got to be strong, independent (laughs) woman. You shouldn't feel less than and you should be able to do it all without a man. So I would have that push and pull of then heaping more shame on myself for not feeling this strong independence and I don't care that I'm single because I did feel Mm -hmm. like I wanted partnership. Mm -hmm. It's complex. Yeah. It's like a no-win situation. Yeah. And then how that relates to money is money is just the currency of life, right? Every experience aside from there, there are so many things we can do in life without money enjoying sunsets and enjoying time with the people we love. But travel, houses, entertainment, so many things require money. And that's where I really started to notice this less than life. And an example of that, if your listeners know if they've listened to the first episode that I am a recovered money mess and recovering money is a relationship and I've learned so much and come so far paid off my heap of debt. And that was so incredible and helpful. And I did fun things along the way. I've done fun things since, but once I was debt-free, it was kind of like, okay, now my job is to provide security for myself because no one else is. So that's my number one. And I didn't make my experiences in life, like my life enrichment experiences, the same priority that I have seen my happily married siblings do, for example. And one very specific example, my brother and his wife, they love, they've got three little kids and they like to camp, but camping with three little kids is less fun in a tent. So they bought this adventure trailer. And as they were talking about it, I was like, I could do that. But it was this kind of wrestle, but it's just me. And it really brought me face to face with the way I have felt about some of those 
just enrichment parts of life. It wasn't anything I had to have. And I didn't end up buying the trailer, but I bought a very fun e-mountain bike. And that was something that it was a shift. If I was married, we would have bought bikes years ago. It would have been no big deal. And I've withheld or I've kind of waiting for my life to start until I know who my life is with. And it was really empowering to be like, this is something I want in my life now. And I suspect the guy I end up with will something similar. It's, and it's that tension again of, and I talk about it in the book is I have that chapter about don't be a lady in waiting. And even someone like you who has your business and you've done such an incredible, again, your story, anyone who's interested in hearing how you got out of a lot of debt and really started understanding how you can empower yourself by taking charge of your finances. But even someone like you who is so accomplished in that realm, in that domain, still found yourself in some parts of your life holding back. I'll wait until I've got my person and then we'll do these things Mm -hmm. together. And I think it's just a journey that we, life has so many different facets and we do the best we can to address them with, as we learn and grow and we get new information and we go, oh shoot. And you check, we check ourselves. We're like, oh wait, I'm putting Mm -hmm. this part of my life on hold and I don't want to be that woman. That's not the way I want to live my life. But still Mm -hmm. you did some, you took action in some ways and then realized, oh my gosh, I'm holding myself back in other ways. Totally. It's because you have nobody else to validate the decision. And I think that's something we'll talk about throughout the episode. But it really brings you into, you're looking in the mirror and it's like that values moment of what do I value? And does it, because when I see others do that, people who are coupled up, they decide to go travel Europe for six months. It's so good for them. And then if it's just me deciding to do that, it's, I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be, a lot of things come up as you confront these decisions. And the way it all ties in with money is just how you use your money. And again, when it's only you deciding mm-hmm. and it's combined with the shame stuff that we were talking about earlier, it's really a journey. I want to hone in on that selfish piece that you just brought up a moment ago, because of course, if we are raised to believe <laughs> that we should not be selfish, which is a good thing, and yet single women, yeah. ooh, it's just us. So I used to really take issue with the notion that single people are selfish <laughs> by nature. And I would always think, it's just us. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't have anyone else who's got my back. Certainly family, friends, yes, absolutely. But when you're married, part of the experience of getting married mm-hmm. is that basically you got to have my back and I got to have your back. And the number one priority in each of our lives is each other. That's a very different way of going through life than when you're like, it's me. The buck really stops with me. I can't expect anyone else to make me a priority. I can't. I took no vows. I took no, I didn't sign any legal documents that says you have to make me the priority of your life. That's very different. And so what it gets twisted is if a single person puts themselves as the priority, sometimes they can get labeled as selfish. Mm -hmm. So true. And that, that made me think about like holidays, it, birthdays and Christmas. It was only a couple of years ago that I started buying myself nice Christmas things and uh, birthday things. And not, again, 
that there is that tension with selfish. I don't want to be like, I'm just so self-absorbed with myself that I buy myself nice things. But if I was married, you better believe I'm going to pull out all the stops on his birthday and think of thoughtful things I could do for him. And I have wonderful family and friends, but it's not like I'm not their number one. And that's the way it should be. So there's really nobody in my life but me to use my money in a way that like meets my long-term goals while supporting me now in the way that I would like to support my future husband and vice versa. And when I hear you explain that, I think you're doing such great work talking about loving and caring for yourself the way that you love and care for others. And then certainly the way that you intend to love and care for your person, Mm -hmm. which at that point, he will be the priority. Right. And you and your relationship, as all the research shows, needs to be the priority. And that honors not only your family of origin, because that's how your folks raised you to be that sort of wife, that honors everyone else. It provides boundaries that are necessary from family of origin. It provides and context, a framework for how you relate to your job, to your community by putting your spouse, your future spouse first, but you're honoring, actually living that out now by putting yourself first, Hmm. despite the fact some people will think that's selfish. You're (laughs) modeling that Uh and you're embodying that now, which I think is great for your future marriage. Well, thank you. I can't help but think the same thing. You have a lot more reason to think that from research and your professional experience. But I, it's really been a cool shift to learn to like learning to parent yourself and just what does, what would I enjoy? And it's been really cool again, to use my money in ways that do enrich my life and kind of push back on that feeling like I have a second class life because I don't, I have a great life. It just looks a little different than I mm-hmm. thought it would right now. And it looks a little different than my married friends and family who are raising kids. And so anyway, it's been a very, very cool journey. Can you speak to some of the self-talk? Because I would imagine as you were mm-hmm. making this shift, it's a cognitive shift where mm-hmm. you would catch yourself feeling selfish or catch yourself feeling some shame about your choices. What sorts of things were you able to tell yourself? Like, no, Emily, mm-hmm. this is actually appropriate for me as a single woman <laughs> to prioritize myself in this moment and mm-hmm. to think about ways that I could spend my hard-earned money for mm-hmm. my values of adventure or taking trips. What sorts of self-talk messages did you have to kind of rein in some of the chatter that wasn't serving you and and mm-hmm. focus on some of the messages in your own head that would allow you to be free to move in this direction? Oh, that is such a good question. And I'll say it's still ongoing. There's oh, still yeah. plenty of like and negative self-talk and whatever. But <laughs> I used comparison to my advantage. Mm-hmm. If I was married, I would do these things. Right. And And then also... <laughs> Singles get a lot of advice from married people. And we get a lot of, you know, ranges of criticism. Or, and I've spent a lot of time being envious of their lives and situations. And so this is being a little facetious, but 
I have had the thought like, let's give them something to be jealous of. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. You know, celebrate the things that are unique about my stage in life and the things I can do. And let's make the most of it. And I, I really don't want to or intend to make anybody jealous. But I have spent so many years wishing for right. the lives I see around me that it's like, no, it's, it's my turn to do something that I want to do. And so those are a couple like couple tactics. And I know your heart and you're not really trying to make everyone bitter and jealous right. of you. But <laughs> at the same time, playful to be like, why yeah. not? And I'm quite sure that there are some people who are jealous of you and that's for another conversation. <laughs> but sometimes some of the... I just found over the years, I've, I did come to think sometimes there were some comments that came my way that were probably a bit in, wow, look at Karen with all that freedom and all that ability to carve out the life that's best for her. And I made some choices years ago that now maybe feel a bit constraining. I don't really want to go down that road, but I think in some cases, there's some of that. What One thing also, this is maybe not such a cognitive shift, but it was a perspective shift. I have a, a former neighbor who has terminal breast cancer and talking with her as I was making some of my decisions where she has such, her mindset is so different than nearly everybody else in my life, everybody else. And I just talked about the risks and some of the big things I'm, I was considering doing and now am doing. And she was just, you don't know how much time you have. So why not now? Because I might never have the chance on my own or with my guy to do some of those things that I'm planning. So do them now. Yeah. And my heart goes out to her, of course. And I'm thankful though, that in the midst of what she's going through, Mm -hmm. she was able to give you a real word of wisdom that that was a gift that she was able to give you from her perspective of someone who understands just how fleeting life is. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. I'd love to connect with you via my weekly newsletter. Joining the Love and Life email list ensures you're the first to know everything going on in the Love and Life family. You'll receive insider perk pricing for consultations and events, and it's the best way to keep in touch when I do what the research suggests is very healthy and take breaks from social media. Subscribe on my website, loveandlifemedia.com. And as a bonus, you'll get my free Empowered Dating Playbook. Emily, you have talked about that you would say single women have the ability and you would even assert maybe a responsibility Mm -hmm. to own our dreams and create this life that is full of dreams, fulfilling these dreams to the extent that we can, to set these dreams and goals in ways where we can achieve them and then give ourselves a kick in the butt to go do it. <laughs> yes, totally. That has been, it's been part of my, the big part of my journey. As I dated a, a fair amount in my 20s and 30s, I'd meet a guy and be like, oh, his life dreams are really, yeah. and I'd hitch my wagon and be like, yeah, mm. that sounds exciting. Whether we were, approaching the altar or not, you just get to know people's dreams. And some was like, oh, I'd never thought about doing such and such or owning mm-hmm. such or such. And so in these relationships, I'd start to see, oh, I could actually see that. I can see me wanting that in my future. And then the relationship ends 
And it's almost like those dreams ended too. And Mm -hmm. I have realized, especially as I got empowered with my money, that those dreams, the ones that really were in line with my values and my personality and my goals, that I could keep those ones and I could Mm -hmm. figure out a way to realize Mm -hmm. them, married or not. But definitely realized I'm at this, I'm coming out of a very stable chapter. Like I own my own home. I, I was at my corporate job for five years, money and money in the bank, doing all the right things. And it was very like mm. secure. But I know there's more world, there's more life, there's more to contribute. And it was this awakening of nobody can dream mm. for me. I love that. Nobody can tell me, hey, Emily, you should go spend six months in Europe. I have to be the one to come up with those dreams mm-hmm. and God. But yeah, I outsourced a lot of my dreaming mm. to dating for a number of years. And it's, it's exciting. It's exhilarating and also slightly terrifying to, <laughs> <laughs> to be the one who's like, okay, where do we drive the ship? All right, we're going to head there. Mm. And, but no matter what, as you dream and as you dig deep, because I don't think most people are super content just to, nobody's content stagnant, whether they think or not. Would you, my off base in that? I would agree with you. I think some people get stuck Mm -hmm. and then maybe are paralyzed, struggle to make a decision, or some people get depressed and that causes inertia. I'm a big fan of dreaming mm-hmm. big and, and doing big and making it happen. I was raised to adhere to those values. Yeah. So I don't see most people who are remaining, like you said, stagnant, thriving I don't, in, in general. Yeah. I just don't think it, it doesn't feel good, you know? And so I think we are meant to progress and do things and take those risks. And it's like the muscles, if they're not used, mm-hmm. they atrophy and So the best news is like when you take those risks and you start dreaming, you will be progressing and growing and having all these like experiences of life that introduce you to people you've never met before. And that includes yourself, this like future version of yourself that you would never have met if you hadn't left the safety Mm -hmm. of kind of your cozy nest. So anyway, those are... Some of the thoughts I've had uh, on this journey of mine. It's interesting you bring up the notion of the future self. And I have talked about that with one of my support groups. We stumbled upon this notion of making our future self proud of us. Hmm. Yeah. So I love that notion of, and I remember when I was dating, there were those moments when I would think, is future Karen going to be good with this relationship? Or is this just kind of good for now? It's a Mm -hmm. good perspective to think about when I look back at what I'm doing right now in 10 years, how will I feel about some of the choices I made? Mm-hmm. And so what I'm hearing from you is the idea of future Emily wants to say during this season where things were real stable, mm-hmm. that was great. And then I decided to take some risks and give mm-hmm. myself some opportunities to see what I'm made of and to develop resilience mm-hmm. by stepping into the unknown and going, you're going to be fine. 
You're going to be able to do that. Who knows what's going to happen, but either which way, you're going to be fine. (laughs) And that's basically future Emily's telling current Emily, you got this. I believe in you. (laughs) So it's like the both and. You're thinking about future Emily and she's talking to you right now too. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I love that. So let's talk about brass tacks here. And what does it look like practically to create your financial path to these dreams we've been talking about? And you're talking about taking action now because one of the things we don't want to do is, as we spoke about earlier, be this lady in waiting to Mm -hmm. really embark upon life, waiting to really step into Mm -hmm. the fullness of our life when we meet our person. So how can we do both and acknowledge, hey, I do want partnership and I believe that's in my future and I want that. And right now also, I want to passionately go after my dreams Mm -hmm. without saying, oh, forget it. I don't want a guy. I don't need a guy. That's not what's (laughs) happening this season of my life. But also at the same time going, yeah, I want partnership. I will always be open to it and looking for it Mm -hmm. to some degree. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I also want to be fully committed to my dreams and my goals right now. Wow. So much to talk about (laughs) here. There is so much magic to getting your finances in order and like creating that financial path. One thing that you just made me think about is past Emily. So we're bringing all the versions of Emily (laughs) into this conversation. (laughs) movie, what Dickens was it? Yeah. The ghost of Christmas past. Yes. Yeah. So the previous version of Emily fueled all of her dreams and goals with debt. I was like, I'm going to go. My dreams were a little smaller back then. So I'm going to go visit my grandparents on debt. Mm-hmm. I bought that plane ticket when I was 18 on a credit card. It was $600. I still remember that. But any goals I had in my business or clothes. I was like, I'm going to live large and put it on my credit card. Mm -hmm. And what that did is it like so affected my relationship with future Emily, as well as a future relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I do think it's really healthy to have this conversation about getting your money in order so that you're not holding your future hostage by doing these really big things with Mm -hmm. that, because Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel good. I know that from a lot of years of experience. And it also complicates the conversations you'll have with a prospective partner Mm -hmm. about about debt and about spending habits. And so figuring out what you want right now or what you want for your life and then pursuing it and making the financial plan to get there sets you up for all the successes in the future. Mm -hmm. And these are just five things, I think. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about five things that (laughs) are really, I just, I like to boil it down to like the simple steps. And the first one is know how much your current life costs. People think they know. I thought I knew, but when you get really real about the annual stuff and the emergencies and the spending categories, you would rather not admit to. So you're figuring out how much your current life costs. And then like we've talked about, figure out where you want to go and put a dollar amount on that. Do you want to have a year in savings so you can leave a job, travel, write a book? Do you want to buy your first house, 
put a down payment? What is that going to look like? And then figure out how long it will take to get there with your current numbers. And then you might decide you actually want to make some changes to your current situation so you can get there sooner, make that dream possible sooner. And then this is so not sexy to talk about (laughs) the budget word, Mm -hmm. but really you have to have a system to keep your plan for your money organized. And that's all a budget is. And I love reframing that for, that was so critical for me. And then the last one is my favorite. It's just have courage and start. That having courage is critical in really anything you want to do in your life. But so yeah, that's what it looks like. When you're talking there and of course budget, ah, everyone freaks out. Like you said, the scary one. A couple of things came to mind though. I see the general, I see the a budget, which is essentially self-imposed discipline. I see that as generalizing to other domains of life. And I, like anyone, have been rebellious against my own self-discipline. Now, I want to eat another dessert tonight. Okay, Karen, go ahead. And just future Karen has to work out for three more hours because you decided to be undisciplined right now. So I think about the discipline in our life that sometimes feels like a dirty word and I don't want to be disciplined. But yet we all know through our own experience that when we are disciplined, there's freedom therein. Because when I'm disciplined today, it frees me up tomorrow. And certainly finances are such a great example of that. That is so true. And what's funny is people resist, and I did. I spent a decade plus resisting budgeting. I tried. I I did try. But I really didn't embrace it. And I felt guilty every time I heard the word. Mm. But everybody is doing some version of it Mm -hmm. in their head. Mm -hmm. So like that is helpful for me to kind of surface that. Mm -hmm. And that when you do it in the way I help my clients manage their money, they're the ones calling all the shots. And if they want to budget $2,000 a month for clothes shopping, they get to choose to do that. Mm -hmm. And so like, they get to choose the level of self-discipline and mm-hmm. but it, it really is an investment in themselves and investment in their future. And I wish we could, all of us could see it more that way. And that self-discipline, like it makes your future really happy, but it, it can still make your present really happy mm-hmm. when you're intentional about it instead of there's so much guilt around spending and mm. <laughs> With just a little bit of self-discipline to set up a budget that you actually can love and then keep on top of it, you will ditch the guilt and have so much more hope for your future. And then you enjoy all of your present spending. So it's really a win. It's wonderful. I The term knowledge is power is coming to mind mm-hmm. because full disclosure, when I was single, there were times when I would just... I don't even want to look at my finances. Mm-hmm. I just... I'm just going to do what I'm going to do and we'll see what happens. <laughs> I, oh yeah. I was, I could have definitely used your services <laughs> when I was single. I, yeah. And that's why I love sharing your work with my community because I, at times I just buried my head in the sand. Now mm-hmm. I did that partly because of competing values. Mm-hmm. I had the one value of, I'd like to save money because I do believe that saving empowers me. Mm-hmm. And yet living in Chicago, living by myself. Chicago is not New York or San Francisco, but it's not cheap. 
And so feeling that I was having, I'm a professor, I'm not making six figures even. And so I was at times going, I don't even know how I can save or I'd get a little bit of money and then the car would need something. And I'd be like, ah, every time I try to just get my little nest egg going. And then the other value was, well, as we've talked about today, I'm single. No one's going to take this fabulous vacation for me. <laughs> I'm not uh-huh. going to wait to go to Paris until I'm married because I don't know when, if that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So the value of I'm embracing the here and now because I don't know mm-hmm. what the future holds. I'm not going to put off my dreams. So there was a lot to sort through. And I know that that's what you can help clients do yeah. is to get say, hey, all those values can be honored mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. through your finances. Mm-hmm. And we can do that. But sticking our head in the sand and going, I'll deal with that later. Why is this the way to approach this? And it just doesn't feel good. And I know no, that from didn't. first hand no. experience, you, know, you like throw caution to the wind and reckless abandon. Right. You're like, I'm just taking the trip. Right. And then when you come back from the trip, you are weighed down with so much guilt and so much practical stress about that. And it compromises the trip in retrospect because sure. you're now thinking about how you pay the mortgage or rent or for the car repairs. Have you heard? You can now listen to my book, Single is the New Black. Don't wear white till it's right. As you know, I wrote the book I wish had been available to me when I was single. So obviously, it's not about how to snag a man. Rather, it's all about how to stay strong amid single shaming and remain true to yourself and never settle for anything less than an extraordinary relationship. Find it on Audible or iTunes. And for a free sample, check out Chapter 11 of Single is the New Black in Episode 145 of Love and Life. So tying back the single element again, one of the things that we have to do as single women is, and we talked about this a bit earlier too, is to validate our own choices and know that we're not going to necessarily get that confirmation from others, even when we want it. It's natural. It's human nature to want everyone to go, yes, Emily, that's the right choice. Do it. (laughs) And yet we won't always get that. And there's an element of us having to own and step more confidently into our path. And we just have to do it ourselves, Mm -hmm. validate our own life decisions. And when others may doubt or question Mm -hmm. or full on be like, that's a dumb decision. (laughs) That's a dumb choice. So you've gone through this a lot. You quit your job. You are in the process of selling your house and you want to take some extensive travels. Mm -hmm. How have you been able to feel solid in these choices that some would say, what are you doing? You're disrupting all this security. Mm And I'm sure you've had to field some of those questions. How have you been able to stay solid and certain about your choices in this realm? Oh, yeah, this is really fun to talk about because yes, I have had the questions and the doubts and encapsulated this chapter of my life in a nutshell. Like I'm I'm leaving basically everything that's secure and just venturing. I'm adventuring. Anyway, I think it would be easier if people came right out and just said, that is a dumb decision <laughs> because then you could counter with, I feel good about it, but it's the more insidious you're leaving <laughs> your good job and you feel good about that. It's like this really like almost passive aggressive, 
but yeah. they're just probably projecting their own fears on me. And that those are the harder ones for me to counter, honestly, because it taps into the elements of self-doubt that I have. And the days when I'm like, what am I thinking? <laughs> so those types of questions can be a little harder because they're not a direct question. They're more just, oh, interesting. And you can't really be like, <laughs> I can sense that you don't agree with my decision. And so those ones are harder for me to field. Again, going back to self-talk, how mm-hmm. do you shore yourself up mm-hmm. after someone has, again, I don't think people are out there literally trying to destroy each other's dreams, but right. <laughs> do they, what do they say? So much of what people say to us or about us is about them really. Because that would freak someone else out, they give you a little bit like, oh, really? Yeah, okay. How do you then go, okay, Emily, no, I this is for me. This feels right. My gut's telling me this is the right thing to do. Yeah. What sort of, yeah. How do you shore yourself up after that? It actually goes back to what we were talking about in the earlier question about those kind of reckless abandoned moments where you're like, I'm taking the trip to Paris. The woman who is not confident about her abilities to manage money or to take these big risks could refer to her past for evidence that she has always landed on her feet. That And I can do the same. And that is part of how I shore myself up in response to the doubters. I could be like, mm-hmm. I have literally never ended up on the streets. I have never been put in debtor's prison. <laughs> Not that that's a thing anymore. <laughs> and so there's a lot of, so even if everything goes terribly and I really don't like my travels in Europe and I come back and I, I've always landed on my feet before and even though I wouldn't recommend the stress of making decisions like I did in my 20s and into my early 30s, single women can use that as evidence that they will land on their feet if they take risks or when they take risks. But another way, a little bit more about the asking of questions. So there is a little bit of resentment on my part towards some of these questions because I'm curious your thoughts on this. I feel like they wouldn't ask a married person these same questions. They wouldn't wouldn't ask sensitive questions about income. They wouldn't ask questions about really, it really comes down to a lot of money questions that I'm sure that some of these people would ask, they'd have no problem asking anybody. But there's like an analogy in my head. And that's, that if you're in partnership, it's almost like two people and then you connect them and it's a circle. And a decision made in that partnership is protected by the circle. Two people validated it. And if just one person, and I'm not saying one person is incomplete, but it's like in this analogy, it's like a flat line and people see it as an open door to waltz in and ask the questions because they know, or, and maybe that's just some of my own vulnerabilities that I know I've made my decisions with just myself. And of course I get a little bit of input and a little bit of counsel, but ultimately I make the decision Mm -hmm. and there's nobody else to share the responsibility of that decision with. Yeah, I concur. I don't, I think there's a lot of questions that single people have to field that married couples wouldn't. And someone might say, 
because she's a single woman. I'm worried about her traveling all mm-hmm. by herself. And I, I get mm-hmm. it. And I'm worried about her because she doesn't have that safety net to fall back on her spouse's income. Should they, should things go mm-hmm. amok and she's got to come back and just build herself back up financially. And yeah, I, again, I'm sure most questions come from a place of concern and care. I really do. But having been in that space for so many years, sometimes it really didn't feel like that. It felt <laughs> very like none of your business. Yes. <laughs> like frankly, none of your business. Yeah. <laughs> If you have just a few seconds to help me out, I would so appreciate it. You can do so by heading over to Apple Podcasts, giving us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review that helps others find the program and join the Love and Life family. Emily, as you were speaking, another thing that came to mind is that I have heard, and I'm sure you have as well, that when people look back on their lives, they regret the risks they didn't take. Uh, Yeah. They're like, I wish I'd taken that European tour. I wish I'd taken that trip to Hawaii. I wish I'd taken that job that seemed like it might be really risky, but I, it would have been an adventure. Mm-hmm. They don't, they regret when they didn't take action and they stayed safe. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to share that because that came to mind. And the other thing that came to mind when you were speaking was that your life is now really embodying two seeming polarities that are not, which is we can be disciplined financially and still take adventures. Yeah. And I think that's a wonderful model for you as an expert in your field and as someone who has clients mm-hmm. who you coach about finances to let them know, hey, here's the cool thing. Mm-hmm. We were we are going to be disciplined and that's actually going to free us up to take really cool adventures in our lives. Oh, you nailed it. That is so the message I want to share with my prospective clients or even women who don't choose to work with me is just to to serve as an example of taking risks and to to show what's possible, especially, and you can do it with so much less stress and concern about your present and future if you have made a plan and you trust yourself with money and trusting yourself with money. I think for me has built my trust in decision-making and my abilities to face whatever's in my future. Yeah. It makes perfect sense that the trust that you develop as you became more disciplined and as you, you paid off an enormous amount of debt, that again, all these types of skills that you acquired Mm -hmm. through your financial life can generalize to your relationship life. Totally. One thing I wanted to say about people asking, I love what you share, that most people are not asking these questions from a place of even criticism. But I definitely have learned about deflecting mm. and sharing less with everyone. I share more with some people, but not sharing all of my decisions and all of my decision making with idle passerbys. <laughs> Not everybody needs to know how I've chosen to make these decisions. And one of my tactics is a little bit of humor. The next person who asks something about my financial plans, I really want to tell them that I'm just going all in on cryptocurrency or something like that really gives them pause. (laughs) Wait, is she really? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Selling my house and putting it all into crypto. It's just the next big thing. But also one thing, especially when people ask about money things, a question I came across to respond with is, it sounds to me like you're concerned about my finances. And 
I appreciate your concern or something like that, that doesn't actually answer the question, Mm. but it it gives them some credit for concern and softens it in my mind that they are asking out of concern versus just being nosy. Love it. Because it's a boundary you're establishing. And funny you say this, because again, the parallel to the single life is right there as well. And partly they're asking this probably because you're single, but either which way, I remember trying to do the same, trying to figure out ways to deflect and recognize that just because someone asked about my personal life, like, how is a girl like you still single, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I know you've heard that one a time or two. Oh gosh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But just realizing that, and it was an epiphany for me, just because someone asked you a question, Mm -hmm. you are not obligated to answer it. (laughs) Yeah. Whoa, that's a thing? I can just... (laughs) not answer, but I love how Uh you're being very kind. Not that you would have to be, you could have been Mm -hmm. snarky or you could be snarky if you so choose Mm -hmm. to, but to be like, I hear you, you're concerned about my finances and then just (laughs) lay it back on them. And that's a really important, at least for me was, it took a while for me to learn that I was not obligated to provide an answer to everyone's (laughs) question. I don't know why (laughs) I was a pretty compliant child. And I guess I thought when someone asked you, Karen, la la la, you go, okay, yeah. (laughs) I wish somebody would have told me that at about 25. I think it really would have stuck that I didn't have to answer every question on every date or every, yeah, just every question about my personal life. And it really, for me, was like you said, an aha, I don't have to answer. It was so exciting. It, It was so, yeah, it just draws that healthy boundary. Like this is my space and all I may choose to share with you, but I may not. So Emily, as we wrap up, when you're speaking to your single, your fellow single women out there, what would you want them to know about money? What's kind of your like takeaway message to wrap everything up? Oh yeah. I would want them to know that their dirty money laundry is not all that dirty. They have a lot of company. A recent article I read from August shows that 60% of US consumers are living paycheck to paycheck, including I think it was 28% of those making 200,000 a year or more are living paycheck to paycheck. And so I think that shame that we put on ourselves is really isolating. And if you feel like, but I make this much money or I have this degree, I shouldn't be this messy. Like we can just dismiss that. And you will feel so much better about something you are doing something about. Mm. So that, that's a big thing too. If you want to feel different about your money, do your money different and happier. That's very much what I focus on with my clients. I would share with them how amazing it is to trust yourself with money. Somebody else trusted you with it when they, they give it to you for doing a job so you can start trusting yourself. I would share with them that managing your money and budgeting has nothing to do with deprivation and that managing your monthly money especially is how you realize your big dreams that's how you make them possible is by getting your money on purpose and when you get on purpose with your money you can get on purpose with your life love it this is such good stuff and again i I wish i had you had you in my life when I was single and I was doing all this on my own. So I, I, what you're bringing to the discourse is so valuable. And I wish you all the best in this next chapter. 
And certainly want to continue to share your work with my community so I know, and men, how to find you. Anyone who wants to consider working with you or coaching with you, what should they do in next steps? Okay, perfect. Yeah, the best thing to do is get on my email list as I launch new things. So I recently launched a group budgeting class. That sounds so boring, but it is the opposite. I call it Create a Budget You Will Love. And it has been fabulous. Anyway, my list is always the first to know about the things I'm launching. And so that's the best way to open the door with me. And they can do that by going to my website. My website is Moso Money. And they will go to mosomoney.com slash guide. And that will get them on my list and plugged into my world. M-O-S-O. And actually, just a quick description of what Moso is. It's a type of bamboo. And bamboo, I think this is talked about in Atomic Habits. I read it elsewhere years ago. But it takes a while to get its roots right. But when the roots are right, it can start growing like several inches a day. And that is why my business is named Moso Money. Because when you get your roots right, the roots of your money, you can get like the big money stuff and the big dreams of life right. That's great. I love that parallel, that analogy and that touchstone for your work. And I love the group. It's like support group. So others, you know that you're not alone. Oh yeah. And I'm this much in debt and I'm struggling with this and to be validated in that experience. And you're kind of, you're melding the whole finances with psychology. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. It really is like a support. It takes the shame so much out of it when somebody else will ask a question. This is maybe a dumb question, but why do you go there or how did that work? And everybody else in the group is like, I have the same question. Oh, I love that. I didn't know you were offering groups. I'm so glad to know that. So yeah, I'll definitely want to share that with my community. And Emily, thank you again for joining us on the program. Appreciate it. Oh, it was such a pleasure. Thanks for the conversation. The love and life hack for this week is There's freedom in discipline. Or as Emily puts it, there's freedom in getting on purpose with our money. Emily is offering a free masterclass. Budgeting that doesn't feel like a chore. Make 2023 your best year yet. Three simple steps for changing your money and your life for good. Head over to mosomoney.com forward slash masterclass to register. That's mosomoney.com, M-O-S-O-M-O-N-E-Y.com. Thank you so very much for joining us today. We appreciate the chance to share a portion of your day with you. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson Abril, and until next time, Make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abril.